Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. He'd sworn he'd given up the gin joints and the dames. He wasn't going to get sent to the host gal anymore. That's right. The speakeasies and the back alleys weren't going to see him drinking anymore. He knew it. He thought he could beat it. Okay, so that's an awful imitation of me trying to be a 1930s voiceover guy on a episode of Perry Mason or Dragnet or whatever. But again, uh, what we're looking at here is that obsession of the mind. You know, that decision that I'm not going to drink anymore when you get up in the morning, which leads to being right back on the bar stool in the afternoon. We're right in between steps two and steps three. We understand that we are powerless over alcohol, but we're not ready to give up and give over and give in. And we're in that insane state of mind. Now, insane does not mean crazy, as Joe and Charlie will go ahead and, and clarify even more. But it means that we are out of our regular mind. We are not thinking clearly because we have gotten to that point in early sobriety where the body's dried out, but the mind is still wet. I don't mean wet like in the old days when they talked about a wet brain or being pickled. I mean it's still newly trying to understand this change and why you're not feeding it what it wants. Let's hear what Joe and Charlie have to say about restoring us to sanity. And in chapter 3, he explains to us exactly what's going to take place if we don't have the vital spiritual experience. In chapter 3, he talks about one thing and one thing only. Chapter, step 2 says we came to be that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Well, if we got to be restored to sanity, that indicates we must be insane. And chapter 3 talks about the insanity of alcoholism, the thing that we must be restored from, the real reason why we got to have that vital spiritual experience. Now, when you start talking about sanity and insanity around AA, a lot of people become highly offended. A lot of alcoholics say, don't tell me I'm crazy. Yeah, I did stupid things when I was drinking, but when I'm sober, I'm like other people. And they're offended when you talk about sanity or insanity. Other people in AA say, well, I didn't have any trouble with that insanity at all because I remember all those crazy, stupid things I did while drunk. No, in either case, they're wrong. In the first place, insanity does not mean you're crazy. You know, if you're crazy, you've lost more than half your marbles and you've got to be locked up somewhere to protect you and society. We are not crazy, we are insane. Insane and crazy are two entirely different words. Now, the things that we did while we were drinking, the crazy, stupid things we did while we were drinking, that was caused by a mind filled with a sedative drug called alcohol. And if your mind's filled with a sedative drug that lowers the inhibitions at the same time, look out, you're going to do some pretty crazy, stupid things. But that's not insanity, that's caused by alcohol itself. In order for me to really understand this, I had to go back to the dictionary, look up the word sane. Sane means to be whole as far as the mind is concerned, wholeness of mind, 
or the ability to see the truth about everything around you. If your mind is sane, complete, and whole, and you can see the truth about everything around you, then you make decisions based on truth. And when you make decisions based on truth, then life is usually pretty good. Insanity simply means to be less than whole. Not crazy, just less than whole. If you're insane, that means you can't always see the truth. And if you can't always see the truth, sometimes you make a decision based on a lie. And if you make a decision based on a lie, then usually you run into trouble. I think one of the best ways to describe it is if I would take a pie and put it in front of me and cut it into ten pieces. And you come along and I give you a piece of that pie. Well, my pie is now less than whole, but I still got 90% of it. Somebody else comes along and give them a piece of pie. My pie is now more or less than whole, but it's still got 80% of it. Insanity does not mean you're all gone. It just simply means you're not quite all here. <laughs> and when it comes to alcohol, it seems as though from time to time we're not quite all here. Because from time to time we can't see the truth about alcohol. And we make a decision based upon lie and then we take the action on the lie that leads to extreme difficulty. Let's look at the state of the mind just before we take the first drink. And just before we take the first drink, we are stone cold sober. Let's see if we can see the truth or not. Let's see if we're sane or insane just before we take the first drink. Remember, Charlie had been talking all morning about the main problem of the alcoholic centers in the mind rather than in the body. And that sometimes I live my life based upon a lie. And if I do that, I'm bouncing off of the truth and I cause, has me problems, causes me problems. But if, I'm, if I can see the truth about any given situation, I can have peace of mind because I'm living in the truth. This chapter is called more about alcoholism. It could be called more truths about alcoholism because I see the, need to see some more truth about what is my problem. See, I do better when I know better. I always have. And as we said earlier, to know the truth and the truth will set me free. So we're going to see some more truth about alcoholism. Now, most of us have been unwilling to admit that we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it's not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove that we could drink like other people. The idea, it's in the head, that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity and death. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholic. This is the first step of recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently may be has to be smashed. We need to see the truth, and only this truth could smash this lie that we're living in. Now, in these two paragraphs that Joel just read, Bill has used four words that all mean basically the same thing. He used first the word obsession, the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. Now, remember, an obsession is an idea that is so strong it overcomes all ideas to the contrary. An obsession is an idea that is so strong it can make you believe something that isn't true. 
The great obsession of every alcoholic is someday he will control and enjoy his drinking. Now we know that that's an impossibility for us to do. And to believe anything other than that is to believe a lie. So obsession is to believe a lie. He said the persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Now we know what an illusionist is. An illusionist is a magician. Illusionists can stand in front of you and with sleight of hand and a few props make you believe something that isn't true. So whether we're using the word obsession or illusion, they both mean the same thing, to believe something that is not true. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity. Insanity simply means to believe something that is not true. It's not necessarily crazy. It's simply to believe something that isn't true. Then he said, the delusion that we are like other people. The word delusion means the same thing. If you've deluded yourself, it means you've believed something that is not true. So we may see here four different words, all meaning the same thing. Obsession, illusion, insanity, or delusion. And all four of them mean to believe a lie or to believe something that is not true. Now let's look at the lie that we alcoholics believe just before we take the first drink. And remember always, just before we take the first drink, we are stone cold sober. No alcohol in the mind at all. Let's go to page 32. Let's look at the man of 30. He said a man of 30 was doing a great deal of spree drinking. He was very nervous in the mornings after these bouts and quieted himself with more liquor. He was ambitious to succeed in business, but saw that he would get nowhere if he drank at all. Once he started, he had no control whatever. Now, he made up his mind that until he had been successful in business and had retired, he would not touch another drop. An exceptional man. See, he had lots of willpower. An exceptional man. Now, he remained bone dry for 25 years and retired at the age of 55 after a successful and happy business career. Then he fell victim to a belief, which practically every alcoholic has, that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. He was deluding himself. Out came his carpet slippers in a bottle. In two months, he was in a hospital, puzzled and humiliated. He tried to regulate his drinking for a while, making several trips to the hospital in the meantime. Then gathering all his forces, he attempted to stop altogether and found he could not. Every means of solving his problem which money could buy was at his disposal. Every attempt failed. Though a robust man in retirement, he went to pieces quickly and was dead within four years. Now this case contains a powerful lesson. Most of us have believed that if we remained sober for a long stretch, we could thereafter drink normally. But here's a man who at 55 years found he was just where he left off at 30. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety, we are in a short time as bad as ever. If we're planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday we'll be immune to alcohol. There's something funny about the truth. The truth is the truth. And the truth is always there. And if you believe anything other than the truth, then that means you believe a lie. And if you take action based on a lie, you're going to run into the truth. And the truth's going to cut your head off every time. Now the truth is this. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. We've never seen one single case where we could go back and drink like other people. 
That's the truth. To believe anything else is to believe a lie or to have a form of insanity. This guy believed that after being free from alcohol for 25 years, he could now drink like other people. Based on a lie, he took a drink, triggered the allergy, couldn't stop drinking, and in four years he's dead. Now is his real problem the fact that he has a physical allergy to alcohol or that he has a form of insanity that tells him it's okay to drink alcohol? The real problem of the alcoholic centers in the mind rather than the body. Just before he took the first drink, he was stone cold sober. He believed a lie. He had an obsession. He deluded himself. He fell for the illusion. He became insane, and he took a drink. Then alcohol killed him. Let's go over to page 34. I use this little idea a lot in my own personal life today that if I'm feeling any kind of pain in my life, it's because I'm living the lie, and I need to see the truth about that in order to get over the pain. So I use that idea today when I'm having pain in my life. Page 34, second paragraph. For those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. We're assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. Many of us felt that we had plenty of character. There was a tremendous urge to cease forever, yet we found it impossible. This is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or the wish. How then shall we help our readers determine their own satisfaction whether they are one of us? The experiment of quitting for a period of time will be helpful, but we think we can render an even greater service to alcoholic sufferers and perhaps to the medical fraternity. So we shall describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse in the drinking, for obviously this is the crux of the problem. What sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats time after time the desperate experiment of the first drink? Restored to sanity. That's a key to this week's episode, I believe. We need to be brought back to that place where the idea of drinking and the act of drinking and the desire to drink, all are under control. Because that's how I beat this every day. If I do not let that first drink happen, I do not trigger the obsession, I do not allow the body to have the drink that it craves, and it still craves it today, and will crave it for many years. And as the example that was given in this week's episode of the gentleman who gave up drinking for many, many years, and then when he retired and thought he could drink like a gentleman, picked it up and was as bad, if not worse, than before. Because that's the ugly truth of this disease. We're not like regular people. We're not able to handle that one half a drink during the course of a dinner or having a cocktail left with a sip or maybe the ice not crunched up just to get that extra little bit of alcohol that we can squeeze out of the ice. Oh yeah, there's alcohol in that ice. I know it. I knew it. But what I'm saying is we cannot stop once we start. I had a really smart counselor in my outpatient who used to say, my addiction is out in the parking lot just doing push-ups, getting stronger every day 
waiting for me to come out and say, okay, I can have another drink because it's going to pick me up and take me to a bad place and it's just going to be ugly. What have we learned? Well, we've learned that this is not fake news, that, quote, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, as Charlie said. And stinking thinking leads to drinking. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive Joe and Charlie podcast.